I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. Hello, I'm sorry I took last week off and didn't tell y'all. Had a couple moving parts that (laughs) didn't move the way I wanted to, but have a really, I think, exciting and interesting person guest today. Lee Tillman is joining me to talk about her pivot from, you know, wellness influencing into just being a person and talking about being very online and scrutinized and all those sort of things. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lee about it. We also touch on her bowl cut. So you definitely have to listen to us laugh a lot about when she went through a bowl cut phase. So please enjoy this episode with Lee Tillman. I'm thrilled that I took a risk and sent an email and was like, hey, I'm new to your work, Lee. Would you like to come on my podcast? And she graciously said yes. But you may know her from her wellness days as Lee from America, but she's hung up her influencing spurs and writes a Substack offline time and is writing her first book, a memoir. If you don't like this, I'll die. Today joining me, I have Lee Tillman. Thank you so much for being here. When I got your email back, I can't even tell you there's nothing like sending something off quickly and being like, oh, I did it. And then when you get the reply back, it's like, oh, my God, I forgot that like that really yeah. happened. So thank you so much for being here today and being down to clown. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I lo- I checked out your work and I was like, she seems rad. So, yeah. I really appreciate it. I became familiar with you and I cannot remember. It might have been Girls Night In or something. It was some newsletter that had an aspect of community where people could post or something and you were looking for people to write with. And I was like, there's so many people in those sort of things that are like life coaches or selling programs Mm -hmm. or something. And I loved that you were like, I'm just looking for people to like write with or account. Like, I think it was literally to write with not accountability. Oh yeah, was it was it Hot Singles NYC? Oh yes, that's yeah, who it I was. Put, I put a, I put an ad in that, and I was like looking for writers to write with in New York. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, I still felt too insecure about my writing to like commit to like writing with someone. Now I mm-hmm. will stalk you about that, but. I looked at you and I think that's when your blog was still pet hair on everything, which now that I have a dog that sheds, I deeply relate. And yeah, I'd always had the hypos before and didn't know that that was like the glory days. And and now I'm like tumbleweed hair town, you know, (laughs) now you're like, oh, there is something to the golden doodle. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I really appreciate that a lot of these things that I find myself sort of mulling over or kind of going like, is this good? Is this bad? Like, what are we doing? You know, as a culture and society, like, I felt like you were contemplating a lot of these things. And then I started just sort of learning about you. And it's like, there's nothing like funnier to me than when you get introduced to somebody's work or or even meet them in person and then find out they had this like whole other life. And you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, like, and so before we really get into it, you've done a million pivots where I guess you haven't done a million. You've done a couple, which I think when you're living, it feels like a million and you feel like you've really uh, fought a battle of some kind. But what do you define influencing as now? So when I say like influencing or when I when I'm writing and I'm like, I left my influencing days, I'm speaking Mm -hmm. specifically on 
the business aspect of influencing people to buy things mm-hmm. through sponsored posts and affiliate links. I also am trying to also use the word spawn con because I think people are like, oh, well, you're still influencing people. And I guess like everybody's influencing everyone these days. So I left yep. behind sponsored content as a means to an end. And that was a huge shift in the way I operate and the way I make money. Because also like I left that blog, I left that title and I decided to go on a journey of self-discovery of what else I would do if I wasn't Lee from America. Yeah. I bet in your wildest dreams, you didn't think Lee from America could become what it did. I mean, I forget some of the facts and figures I saw, but like, you know, you had over 300,000 followers, I think at some points, like, I don't think most people when they start doing something on the side can even imagine it would, would get to that sort of point. And you, you're also someone who's been very online from a young age. Like my take on you, you know, I was saying before we started recording is like, I think of you a bit as like a digital artist in a way that you're using this medium of the internet to try to express yourself. And then you were like, oh, there's like a career, you know, like there's a way you can make money doing that. But then I think we also love to criticize women for monetizing things like how dare a woman expect to get paid for her time or whatever. But do you feel like your relationship with the Internet, did it start as just like it's this place to connect? It's this place to to express yourself, to share things? Yeah. You know, did you feel like you were trying to like work things out? Like, did it feel healing for you to feel seen? Yeah, I mean, I think. From a young age, I mean, you know, I'm I'm 33 now. It's 2023, so I was born in 1990, and so I really, I am of the generation of I remember life pre-internet and post-internet. Like I remember the day I brought my dad brought the computer home, and I remember the day I first went on AIM and got my first away <laughs> message. Like, you know, remember all those things. I remember like hacking my way into Facebook in college, still when it was still only available, or in, in high school when it was still available only for college. And but then I in my freshman year of college. I got a blog. I started a blog. It was called For the Love of Peanut Butter because I was in love with peanut butter. And it was an eating disorder recovery blog to uh, on WordPress where there was already kind of a really big blog community in the eating disorder mm-hmm. world. And I remember there was like Kath Eats Real Food and I loved her blog. And I, it was all about like, there was like this beginning of this kind of movement of like embracing food. If you come from disordered eating background, embracing food and healing in this yeah. blog community. And I was like, I was 18. I was living on my own. I had just recovered from anorexia, whatever that even, I mean, I was like barely recovered. I was like get, gained a couple pounds and I was like, all right, they're like, all right, she's fine. You know, go <laughs> <Familiar>. to college. <laughs> and I'm like writing about recovery and like I'm posting about my food. There's a heavy emphasis on food here. And it was all about meals and like the hard times. And then I looked out my window the spring of my freshman year and I was like, everybody's friends and I'm on here, I'm living on this computer and everybody's outside. Like I was kind of like, why am I not assimilating Mm. college? And it's because I was spending a lot of time on this blog and I always found it easier to announce something vulnerable to like an unidentified group of people online Mm. than like maybe say it to people in real life, even though my freshman year, I didn't really know how to make friends. So I was like, hi, I'm Lee and I'm recovering from an eating disorder. It was my <laughs> whole identity. I yeah. think for me, I think just like personality wise, like I am curious about myself. At 18, I took everything I learned at treatment and I was like, 
like a lot of kids were just like going to frat parties and like exploring themselves, which is also a really important part of adolescence and early Mm -hmm. adulthood. But I was like put into like group therapy at 17 and like looking at my trauma and like whether for good or for worse, who knows? But like, I think just like from then I was like, Ooh, I really like improving. I really like growing. I really like shifting and helping and connecting. And that's what I'm into. I'm not really into the other things that other college kids are into. So the the blog was an easy way for me to find that with other people who are into it. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you say that because I also started blogging from eating disorder recovery. I'm 10 years older than you. And so it's like funny for me to think of you being like this little baby in college. It went and I'm like 28, you know, like doing kind of the same thing. But I've been talking to my therapist about it recently. And she was saying like, It's really difficult when you are in the process of transformation, but have an awareness about it, that that is difficult for us to figure out like how to even witness ourselves. And so it makes sense to me that generally we have to do something externally in order to be able to integrate all these things that we're like learning and feeling. Do you think of yourself as a deeply feeling person? I don't know what that means. Like, like I, I don't know. Something I've sort of like hypothesized is that a lot of people who are very online or blogging, things like that, they feel a lot. And what they're doing is trying to process and figure out what they feel, you know, like and, and kind of make sense of it, I think, of mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, like maybe sensitive or whatever. Like, but I think it's like, if someone would have maybe like one feeling about an experience, I wonder sometimes the people who are like kind of making work around it or doing things like they're having like 20 feelings around it. And it's something about the talking about it, the writing about it, things like that, like is part of the healing is part of the organizing is part of like Mm -hmm. clarifying it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree. Like clarifying, organizing, figuring out, I guess you could say like figuring out my feelings. And, but mostly though, it's the connecting. And like, I know like online connecting is so different from even just like sitting with a friend, which is also healing. But like, there is nothing like for me, the feeling of like posting something, whether it was on my WordPress or on my Squarespace or on Instagram or now on Substack where someone else is like, oh my God, like, this helped me. And like when I was on Instagram, it got to be like an addiction. And like, Mm -hmm. it was like, I wanted 20,000 people to like it. And now it's like, I just want like one message of someone being like, oh my God, I feel the exact same thing. It makes me feel so much less alone. And it makes me feel like it's like stuff that I can't even say to my family that I can like say to readers of my newsletter. And then, I mean, my family reads my newsletter. So then I'll guess I'll talk to them about it. But it's like, there's (laughs) there's something so freeing about it where I feel like I'm like, freed from myself, the way that I can describe it is I'll have this feeling or thought growing inside of me and I'll talk about it with friends. I'll talk about it in therapy. I'll talk about it with whoever I'm seeing or whatever. And then it, I write about it and it comes out and it's no longer, it's like gone. It's like, it's like I just regurgitated it and it's like a weight lifted off me. So I just feel like yeah. I build these, these ideas and these things and these feelings and these thoughts and I need to like, and it comes to life for me through like different mediums, I guess. Yeah. 
That's really interesting. I think I feel similarly where it's like I'll be noticing things or I'll notice like friends and I are having the same conversations or, you know, I read tarot for a living, like clients are coming with a lot of the same things and I'll be sort of marinating on it. And I agree, like if I do an episode about it or I write a subsec or something, I'm like, ah, you know, like that does feel and, and same, like the connection, like when someone's like, oh my God, I've been thinking about that too. Or like, yeah, there's a high associated with it, you know, for sure. But it does feel deeper than that. Like a high to me is pretty fleeting. But when someone's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you really gave language to something I'm experiencing, you're like, I do think it's more connected to like purpose, which Mm -hmm. is difficult. And I think if you maybe do feel driven to sort of question things or examine things and to do it in a public way, like you're taking a lot of risk and people love to, I mean, no matter what you do, like, you know, everybody is, somebody has something to say about it, you know, that I'm curious when you were influenced, like, like just doing this podcast and the Instagram for the podcast is, is pretty big. And it has been like good for me in some ways with my confidence in terms of like people always finding a flaw or have something to say or being like, but you didn't mention this or whatever, specifically women to be kind of perfect and get it right all the time. I have found both like suffocating and liberating. And I'm curious how you felt about that. So I have a lot of thoughts about this. I think the reason that we, well, first of all, I think women rule the creator world. Like from the get-go, there's women make more money online as influencers. There are more females on Instagram. There's a larger amount of females who are following influencer content. Um, So we're spending more time because it's like, like if you think about like women, like we love to connect, we love to nurture. And I I don't want to be like, oh, like this is, I'm not talking about like these gender norms, I guess. Like, you know, I'm trying to be, using inclusive language but like a lot of notions around women is like we're caretakers and we're nurturers and so if you like move that to like the internet space we caretake and if you look at how a lot of influencers handle their communities they're people pleasing they are they are making sure everyone's as happy as possible and it's why they find so much success but Mm -hmm. it's also why when they mess up and it's same with like a, when you look at a nuclear family like the mother is in charge of everybody's schedule if there's a small thing that that is messed up, it's on the mother. Everybody's asking the mom where everything is. It's like women are in charge, but they're also held to this extremely high standard. I think that's great that you find it liberating. I found that absolutely suffocating and I wanted nothing to do with it. That's not why I went online, you know, but I too was held to... Uh, I mean, just absolutely, like when you just said, like, you know, oh, like you forgot this, like, I am so glad I am not there anymore. Like it is, that is, for me, that was not a good place to be for me. And everybody's different, but like that level of opinions, like seeing that level of, I once, someone once told me, like when I shared about my leaving influencing story, they were like, reading TikTok comments as a creator ruined my brain. Like reading that level of comments per day from every corner of the world, especially if they're anonymous, was not good for me. And I was like a mental health influencer. I was like a wellness influencer. And like I was so unwell. Yeah. I think that this is somewhere where like being 10 years older than you helps in the sense of like 
I agree where I don't think the volume or of that many opinions is good for anybody. But I mm-hmm. think it's it's helped me to be like, this is meaningless. If you do buy into this, if you do read all these opinions, if you do take these on board, you would be a husk. There's no way to please everyone. There's no way, but, but I'm, yeah. and, and it does seem to be something that I feel like, you know, I call everything like misogyny, but it does seem to have a relationship with misogyny. We do seem to be angrier at women if they don't fulfill what we expect of them. And that's something I wrestle with a lot of like how responsible are we to people, you know, like how responsible are you to your community? You know, I don't know. Like, I think we're still allowed to have boundaries or I think like the call to ask, you know, everybody to speak out on things is bizarre and these things. And it seems to happen. I don't know, just to women more than it does other creators. So, Mm -hmm. yep. I used to work in television and when I left television to read tarot full time, people were like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? And I was just like, I got to do it. It's right for me. I, in a lot of ways, felt trapped. I felt trapped by having this good job that people were impressed by. I made six figures. And then I felt really isolated in some ways when I'd left and people had no idea what making that big of a change does to your life. How did you feel when you left influencing and made this huge change? Like were people not so much like the public, but your personal life were people like, what are you doing? Or were they thrilled that you were like, I'm going to live something that feels more authentic for me and does better regardless of like what the optics are? I think close friends and family who really knew, who really saw the backside of it and how I was doing and who had known me before and who knew me during were really happy. I think passerby and strangers and new people I met when I tell them were like, why would you ever do that? Yeah. And I think that they just didn't know and they don't know what it's like to be watched by that many, that level of of eyes. Yeah. I get offers to do stuff and I just, I just find any form of influencing like so triggering. Like it immediately makes me feel like I'm living a lie of of like, if Mm. I take the nice product shot and I'm like, they don't know that my coffee table's a mess, you know? And I am always just like, oh, this is so interesting what it like brings up, you know, when it's just for a soap, you know, I'm like, why am I having this like deeply emotional experience to this? But, um, changing your life is, is really difficult and you seem capable of changing your life a lot. Like you seem somebody who tries to stay grounded in your agency. Is that conscious on your point or is that something like as you're sort of growing up, you're finding like, oh, I need to do that for me. It's not a conscious choice at all, but that's such a compliment. Thank you. I mean, I'm not going to lie. A lot of times I'm like, should I just have stuck being a wellness influencer? <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I'm <laughs> like, like, should, should I, I stay to TV? Yeah. Should I'm I like... still be posting smoothie bowls in 2023 and touting <laughs> diet culture? I don't know. You know what? Who's to say? Who's yeah. to... Should I still be obsessed with my bloat? Probably <laughs> not. Like, I'm so glad I'm not like vital proteins. <laughs> I mean, listen, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I feel like a lot of a lot of the reason I wanted to step away was because like when I started to get more followers and charging more for my services, I started getting more scrutiny and like as I got these bigger 
client accounts, I was making more money. People were writing how much money I was making. Like it just became, I was making money in the public arena. It's not like I'm like writing on Jennifer Lawrence's like, I heard you made a billion dollars from the, the, like, no, I'm not also like writing on Chanel's page. Like, why are you charging 30K for a bag? It's like, they're doing their thing. Why, why are people feeling the need to like get upset with me if I'm charging a lot of money? Like, okay. Yeah. So I just was like, oh, I don't want to feel like my, I mean, also just the idea of the sponsored post you're acting, you're truly acting. And even like stuff that I was using that I already used in a brand would be like, Oh, I saw you're using this. Do you want us to do a work partnership together? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the best case scenario. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I were like a single mother, like I would probably have stayed like I, I, I luckily had the ability to leave like I had saved a lot of that money. Mm-hmm. And I had that ability to walk away. I don't if I didn't have that safety net that I had built. I don't think I would have I would have had to stay you know? Yeah. And like, what if I had like two kids to support, you know? Right. Or like, I remember literally being like, okay, I'm 30 years old. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a kid. I can live in a really tiny apartment in New York and really whittle down my expenses and I can leave and yeah. I can afford to like be unemployed for a couple months and figure out what's next. I also was like, I had to be like, I have skills. I have this faith. I wasn't sure yet how to like position and market the influencer skill set into a new thing. But I was like, I need to try something else because this is not, I did not come onto this planet to like do this. Like I can't, I also just was like, in terms of my eating disorder recovery, it was, I had to walk away from that wellness blog. It was so tied to my eating disorder. I was like, if I ever want to recover from that, like I need to walk away from it. So it was also like, I didn't really have a choice. It was either like walk away or stay disordered. Yeah, which I think sometimes people have a hard time understanding. I wrote a moderately successful blog about weight loss in the 2010s. And when I was just like, this is preventing me from moving on, you know, and when my support team would be like, ideally, you know, we're actively disordered, we go into recovery, and then we go to life after recovery. And they were like, you're sort of walking this line of like not moving into life post recovery, and this like not being the defining thing about you, you know, that you just need to become a person who happens to have an eating disorder, versus like everything revolves around your eating disorder. And I was talking to a friend saying I didn't I didn't really get a mutual friends sort of stuff. And she was like, yeah, it's tough when you monetize the wound. And I was like, I was like, say that again, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Whoa. it's so tempting, I think, in some ways, you know, because you you know it well. It, you're, it's familiar territory. It also feels healing to work with it or it feels very comforting to have community around it. But I do think when you monetize it, it's like you also then are constantly like triggering yourself, you know, like you're triggering yourself to earn your living. And like generally in our work, that's not what we're doing. Like each day ideally is not psychological warfare in order to pay your bills, you know? And I don't think people understand that sometimes that like that is what someone who's making content around something really personal or painful or whatever is sort of doing, you know? And I think people can get really upset when they change or pivot or whatever. And it's like, I wish we could grant people 
little more grace around that of just like maybe for their self-preservation, they have to quit giving you the content you want. Like we're, like we're literally talking about content. Like there are millions of creators. You will find someone else that you will resonate yeah. with. You don't need to ask someone to self-betray and self-harm to like get your little pretty photo on Instagram to like, you know, but I don't know that we fully understand the dark side of influencing, the dark side of these things. You know, it's like these are still relatively like new. This is new technology still. This is still kind of newer stuff. I think we're figuring out the parameters and boundaries and things like that. How has it been for you just just simply writing a sub stack and focusing on your book? Like, does that feel like a deep sigh? Does that feel like getting to dig into deeper work that feels better to you and more, I don't know, maybe self-expressive? Or do you feel like you're building a community where there's more like reciprocity? Like you're in the process right now of freezing your eggs. You've been sharing that on your sub stack. Like that's obviously, I did that at 26. It's funny though, I froze my eggs because I had cancer and they're not, I mean, I'm 43, so it's it's not like, I mean, like that ship's kind of sailed, but they're like, yeah, we don't know if your eggs would survive the thaw. And I was like, you don't have to make it sound like they're dinosaur eggs. Like, wait, why? Because they've been frozen for so long? And technology's changed so much that when I was, I guess in my late 30s, early 40s, they were kind of like, we'd almost recommend you did another round, you know, because we don't know. And this time, if you want, you could do embryos. And I was like, you know what? I, you know, but I wondered like now that you're taken out of the trap of like SponCon and like all this sort of stuff and you sharing what you really want to talk about, does it feel better in terms of the community you're creating? Yeah. I mean, I don't even think about the community that I'm creating. I think that's also like, Mm. I'm just thinking about this is healing for me. This feels good for me. I have a pretty strong compass right now. I mean, like after going what I went through with like the Instagram thing and leaving and being like, how can I make work work for me? It's like anything I do that like doesn't feel good. I'm like, oh, I'm just... I mean, I still have to do work that like I don't like. It's not like I'm like, I love work every day. Like, but... (laughs) when you said like, how does it feel to write your book and write your sub stack? And that, by the way, those two things are not my full-time job. I also do freelance copywriting for brands. So it feels so, but to answer your question, it feels so good. Like I'm not making insane amounts of money. I'm making way less money than I did as an influencer. And like that sometimes does suck, but Mm -hmm. I am like so much happier. Also like, let's not like romanticize always taking a really big pay cut. Like I said, like it's because I'm not a mother I don't have a mortgage. I don't have to support other people in my family. So I'm able to do that. But like, it is, it's great. I have freedom. I thought a long time before sharing the fact that I was freezing my eggs on on Substack. I was worried about sharing because I overshared. And like you said, I monetized the wound a lot on Instagram. And I would say like that Lee from America era was like healing my early twenties, which was like a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of men, a lot of like toxic party I mean I think we all went through that like we grew up with like Nicole Richie it was like a swinging to the other end of the pendulum and yeah like the internet was new and like monetizing your wounds was easy and it's still I think I'm watching a lot of people doing it again on Substack. I mean, I mean it's, it's such an easy we love it. We love, love it. it. We love it as a culture. And I think the thing that we get wrong is often we think that this is vulnerability and I don't know that it is. I'm not I'm not sure what it is. 
it's called vulnerability pornography. And I think Ooh. we love it. And we, we want to see more of it. But we also like feel really gross. Like, like after a couple years, as someone who shared a lot of vulnerable stuff, I would be like, oh, I would never consent to sharing that now. And I feel the same way about like pornography where like people in the moment they'll do it. And then a couple years later, they may be like, I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. and it's already out there. I really do think that like at both as the giver and as the receiver of that to like really to like, I, my advice would be like pause and like really like if it feels like you need to urgently share something vulnerable, like pause. Like I once had a girl say to me when I like left influencing, she's like, oh, I had breast cancer and everyone was trying to get me to be a breast cancer influencer. And I was like, that's our culture where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. like make, but like so much of it is positive, right? Like, wow, you can really help a lot of people who are feeling lonely and they're in their bed and they want community. But also like, what's the cost to you? Yeah, yeah. There's a cost to the to the giver of that information. And sanity, like I believe that your sanity, your mental health, your peace, going to bed at night, and like knowing that you're like the values and, and like, like they're all like, so like you got to do what you got to do. If that means like disappointing a community and losing 180,000 followers like I did, it's fine. That's not like, I, I believed I was like, I have to do this. You know, I was like, I don't have a yeah. choice. I just was like, I have to do this. I have to see what's on the other side. I, it's almost like I had to rip the bandaid off of spawn yeah. and be like, what is on the other side of this? Well, it's no different than breaking up with somebody. It sucks. Nobody wants to break somebody else's heart. But like when you keep going, kind of going around and around in that loop and you're like, it's them or me, it's their happiness or mine, you know, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I'm only responsible for mine. And, and and it does suck. And I think we have a lot. One thing I wish that we could figure out a way to have like more nuance on the Internet It's like funny with this vulnerability porn. We think we're embracing the fullness of people, but really it's just a different form of flattening. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. a different form of making somebody one dimensional and not letting them be a full person, you know, and generally someone, if they are, I think, healthy, if they are living authentically, like they will evolve, they will change, you know, and I, how responsible are you for like poking their attachment wounds? You know, like I don't, and yet we kind of uphold people for that. You know, I think there's a lot of projection. I think there's a lot of stuff that people should be talking to a nice person once a week about versus like whoever they're throwing it at, you know, like on the internet. It's like really interesting at times. Like, you know, I'm sure there's people studying parasocial relationships like as we speak, you know, how is the book writing going? How do you feel like this had to have been like, a? I mean, this is such a short period of time. I feel like that you've had great success and then made great change and then like evolved as a person. Like, you know, we're talking about like three years or something. How do you feel writing the book now, like reflecting on all of that? Are you like, holy shit, I lived like four lifetimes, you know, like, is it <laughs> yeah. making you have compassion for yourself and go, what the fuck did I get like lumped into, you know, like. Absolutely. I mean, it's making me be like, wow, that was so fucking cool. I think like right after I left Leave from America, I mean, like I'll I go into all this in the book, but like 
I went into hiding. Like I like never mm-hmm. told anyone about it. I like made a bunch of new friends who didn't even know about it. Like I fully denied that existence. When did you get the bowl cut? <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> when did you get the bowl cut? Because I'm obsessed with it. And I want to know, did you meet new friends with your bowl cut? Or was I did. That... <laughs> they only saw the bowl cut. They really I did. They only saw that. And my parents were even like, did you change your physical appearance? So you wouldn't get recognized. And I was like, no. But looking back, it's like I needed a shift. Like, of course I chopped my hair off. Right. Like I needed a, a before and after. Mm -hmm. And that bowl cut was like the after. And let's not even get into the comments of people saying that I was like a psychotic Britney Spears. Like people were like, Oh, she's having a Britney Spears moment. She's going into psychosis because she cut her hair as if a woman cutting her hair means that she is psychotic. It was a breakup. You were, you had a breakup haircut. I I think this is something that's a very established thing. And part of the process of leaving something. I love that somebody compared it to Jim Carrey and you were like, yeah, I literally gave a photo of Jim Carrey to my hair hairdresser. I I was like, I I have so much respect for that. It's something about the bowl cut. I think is just like one of my favorite things that I had like read about somebody in a minute of just like, especially that's so funny. Yeah. Well also like, I mean, influencers, obviously a lot of femininity is projected onto them. Mm. There's a lot of feminine ideals and I just mm-hmm. love that you were like, fuck that. I'm going to get mm-hmm. one of the most like kind of um, masculine. Yeah. But I mean, the only thing you could have done funnier is like a mullet. But like then mullets became cool, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's kind of like I, I just like, are you saying it's a little bit satirical? And it actually, you know, it wasn't even meant to be. It just was like, I liked the way it looked. And I actually still am like, it looks really good. You I had think it to though. Really good. Like it's yeah. such, there's such a purity of the choice that I find yeah. hilarious, you know, <laughs> that like, oh it's God. like what, you know, like when you let a little kid pick something out and they, they're like, I, I want this pickle. Oh. And you're like, really? Like you can have anything. You're going to have any toy. And they're like, nope, I want this pickle. And you're like, all right, bud. Like, that's what you really yeah. want. I felt yeah. this, that way about your bowl cut, but so you changed yourself though radically. That's when the the bull cut came in. You know, when when you left Lee from America, you made new friends. Sort of went into. It's so good. I wish y'all could see. She's showing me this photo. It's so good. It is. It's it, so it did look good on you. It was so yeah. like nineteen eighty three. Like I had the big bushy eyebrow. I was using so much boy brow. I mean, and I was also <laughs> like, I don't. I, during that era, like you can see my nails. Like I was wearing a lot of like euphoria makeup. I was kind of the antithesis of the wellness girl, which was all like natural and like goop. All of a sudden I was putting like glitter everywhere and experimenting with a whole totally new identity. Yeah. You were like, I've had all these years of beige. Now I'm going to return, you know, dusty, no more dusty pink, you know, no more dusty, (laughs) dusty pink. I'm triggered. Yeah. So you go into hiding for, for a little bit. And then when did you start to feel like, I guess kind of like a person again. When did you start to go like, okay, I've been through something. What do I want to do with this? How do I want to move forward? I think I want to write a book. When did that start to to happen for you? Well, okay. I will say this, like right after I left Instagram, like, well, so while I was like a big influencer, I was approached a lot about writing a book. And I was always mm. kind of like, I would sometimes meet with editors and I would, and it was all about like a cookbook or a wellness book. Cause that was my mm-hmm. niche. And you know, they go after influencers cause they're like, you have a built an audience. So Right after I left Instagram, like within months, well, during that hiding period, I had a meeting with an editor and I'm really grateful for that editor. I basically was like, I want to write a book about my experience leaving influencing. And by the way, it had been three months and I would wow. still go on later to like do 
sponsored post. But um, I was like, I want to share about that crazy experience becoming like this wellness blogger. She was like, pause, you just left three months ago. And she also said something along the lines of be careful not to monetize your wounds. But she brought it into the book world of like, listen, Mm. you just went through an experience where you experienced a lot of pain. And this book will come out in about three years and you'll probably be moved on from the pain. But when Mm. for the next year, while you tour that book and promote that book, you're going to be reliving the pain. And so it really made me pause of like, oh, so I remember like that taking that meeting and being like, I I just was like, I don't have the insight, the foresight, the whatever, like the hindsight, whatever to write. So I basically was like, I think I also still was in the like monetize experience, monetize, like, like, like turn your experience into work, you know? Yeah. And I needed to just like fully go through more letting go and more shedding. And then I ended up like moving back to New York from with the area where I'm from the tri-state area being closer to family. I mean, like, like really just fully letting go of that, like California identity and going back to work at a nine to five. I worked at a tech company. I worked at a perfume brand. I started kind of getting normal jobs. Yeah. And then I would say, actually I was, um, yeah, I was working at a perfume company last year, last summer. And I was dealing with influencers. I was doing a lot of gifting mm. and I was watching influencers. I was like, I was on, I was their like social media director. So I was like on, on their social lot watching these influencers. And I was like, I have a story to tell that's like, like inside of me. And I was like, I feel like this job, I'm like, like someone once told me, someone close to me once said to me, like, don't waste your gifts. And it's a really simple thing. But I was like, I feel like I have a unique story to tell and I want to share it. And I don't, I know exactly what the arc is yet. Like I didn't have it all bowed up, but I was like, last September, I was like, I just woke up one day and I was like, I need to write a book. And so I got back in touch with an editor and started working on a proposal and it was turned down and I got a new editor and then, but I was, so I started working on it September, 2022. Um, so about a year ago. And I was also around that time, like I had, I had started pet hair and everything. I was starting to share again and I was like, not really sure what my like niche was with the newsletter. I didn't even know if I wanted a niche. It was called pet hair and everything. I was talking about New York, finding friends in your 30s, like just like essays and stuff. And then I started sharing more about like leaving influencing a little bit and my experiences. And then I had I went to Vermont last February for a week to visit my mom's friend. And I was like in nature a lot. And I was like, I was like, how could I help people? And then I was like, I want to come up with a workshop for influencers on how they can leave influencing because I successfully at that point had was able to su- support myself with between freelancing and uh, projects and a little bit of money from Substack and I wasn't SpawnCon paid anymore. And I also had gotten jobs. And so I was like, I wonder if I can help any other influencers who are feeling this way. And so I promoted that workshop online and then the New York Times ran a story on it. And then I got a book deal and like the rest is history. That's so great. And I think like, you know, it was interesting. I was on my friend Amina's podcast recently. I don't think it's out yet. I think this will come out before that does. But we were talking about how people can be so literal about what their skills apply to. And I think, of course, I saw when you were 
launching the the workshop, people were like, isn't this influencing? And it's like telling people you're doing something and to buy tickets for it is not the same as influencing to me, but whatevs. And but I thought you it's were called marketing sweeties. Yeah, yeah. But like, I just am like, for fuck's sake, you know, like, I know. Uh, but uh, I anyway, know. but I loved, though, that you were really highlighting for people that like, you have these skills and they're not just good for influencing. Like they can be applied to a million different things. Like I think of a lot of great creators are essentially just like really good bang for your buck, like creative directors, like the way, I mean, the, the attention to detail and ability to like create creative concepts, like, you know, I know a lot of white men getting paid a lot of money who aren't doing as good a creative. So it's like, why shouldn't some of these people like maybe get a get their chance at it? But that's neither here nor there. As we start to wrap up, because I want to be mindful of your time, obviously, is there anything we didn't touch on today that you wanted to share or talk about? And of course, let people know where they can find you. I don't think so. If you want to find me and learn more about my life, Oh, and read more about what I talk about and stuff. You can find me on Substack called Offline Time, leetillman.substack.com. I also, I still have an Instagram, but I don't really use it very much. It's not really where I update the most, but that's at Lee for America. And then I have a website, leetillman.com, but mostly I'm just posting on Substack. Her Substack's great. Everyone should read it. It's really good. Yeah, I love a lot of the questions you're asking. I love the things you're doing. It was funny when you did your in-person dinner in Brooklyn, which I hope you do that again. I thought it was a great idea. I was literally, it would have been just a month when I was out of weight loss surgery and I couldn't even eat food yet. I was like, oh, I really want to go to this because I think this woman's interesting. I want to connect with her. Blah, blah, blah. My mom's like, no, no. Like, because I'm way more of like an extrovert connector people person than my mom's ever thought of being like I some so many times she looks at me like an alien of like she could not even imagine blogging like she can't like I she's only gotten on Instagram kicking and screaming because she's an artist and everyone tells her and she's like they say I need a website too I'm like yeah ideally you would have one but anyway she was like I know we differ and I know we have different opinions about these things she's like but do you really think it would be a good impression to go when you cannot eat and you would have to be like such a weird creepy version of yourself and I was like you may have me there, mom. She's like, there will be other times. There will be other ways. It was like really funny. I was like, you know, like we, all of us as people, like, do we ever really change? You know, like, I'm like, here I am, like legit, like for all intents and purposes, a grown up. I've just had this surgery and I'm like, how can I try to be at this dinner? You know, I'm like, it's okay. Let's just like nurture the inner FOMO inside and like, uh, you know, read the subsec and know that there will be other ways and opportunities to connect with someone. So it was like, very funny to me when you did respond to my email so quickly. I was like, see self, like yeah. you didn't have to try to make it to a dinner that wouldn't oh, have worked for I'm, you. You know, I'm so it's glad so funny. That you were like resting and recuperating <laughs> and not pushing yourself to go to this dinner because it was definitely not the last thing I'll do. And sometimes moms are right, you know? Yeah. Who knew? Sometimes moms who are right. Freaking knew. <laughs> well, thank you so much for giving me your time, sharing your thoughts. And I really appreciate it. I think you're someone who's, you know, so interesting, has a lot to say. And I'm glad that you're saying more things versus, you know, telling us alternative flowers to eat, you know, like, I think that's like a way better use of your Wait, brain. Telling, so I'm thrilled. Telling us what? Alternative us flowers, what? you know, like, oh, oh my God. Whoa. <laughs> 
Whoa, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I just I just had a moment where I was like, wow, do we really just want women to like cook? I, I, yeah, I don't know, like 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 bit. I mean, I don't think we don't. I think I don't think we don't. I mean, look at all this reframing of traditional gender roles that were like, but what if it was shiny and fun and you got to make a little video? Yeah. Like, I think all this stuff is complicated. And for somebody with different degrees than I have, you know, like I I'll I'll leave it to like the studies of gender roles and and (laughs) feminist. But I will say that, like, I'm just glad that I'm talking about other things besides how bad my bloat is and which <laughs> supplements I use so I can poop in the morning. Yeah. Let's just say there's a blessing there and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. May we all just, you know, continue to get to express <laughs> ourselves in, in deeper ways, you know? Seriously. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And that's uh, all for today. Thanks everybody. Bye. That's all for today. If you're interested in submitting a topic, please go to anatonk.com and hit the contact button. Or you can email me at anatonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help. <laughs>